Hey, everybody, and welcome to How I Built It, the podcast that helps small business owners create engaging content that drives sales. Each week, I talk about how you can build good content faster to increase revenue and establish yourself as an authority. I'm your host, Joe Casabona. Now let's get to it. Hey, everybody, and welcome to what I believe is the first feedback show for how I built it. I'm really excited about this. The show has been going almost 300 episodes at this point, and I've never really done a good job of calling for feedback. So uh, I'm excited to do this. I got some really good questions I'm excited to answer. Um, I've also gotten a couple of reviews that I'll read, one good, one bad, and kind of how I'm addressing that because the reviews are super important. Uh, So uh, I'm, I'm excited for that. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Learn-WP Wallet and Nexus. You'll hear about them throughout the show. All of the show notes and a transcript will be over at howibuilt.it slash 265. Uh, and with that, let's get into it. Uh, though I guess I should I should tell you. And then I have a new newsletter out. Uh, it's a free newsletter on podcast tips. You can find it at getpodcast.tips. You can also opt in at the show notes page, howibuilt.it slash 265. If you want actionable advice to grow and monetize your podcast, I think that this is a really good newsletter. It'll help you publish consistently, grow and monetize without burning out. I have three, this is my first of three podcasts. All of them are sponsored. All of them have been sponsored since day one. My podcasts account for 50% or so of my income. And so I've been able to grow and monetize these podcasts. And I want to show you, I want to tell you everything I know. They'll be delivered Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7 a.m. Eastern time. So you can sign up completely for free at getpodcast.tips. Okay, now let's get into the feedback show. And we will start with the reviews since they're directly related uh, to the uh, the podcast itself. And I should say that I'm not going to read every review. I'm going to read the reviews uh, that have come in recently within the last month or so. So first... I'll start with the good, a five-star review from Amber Hines, listener, creator, crew member, and guest of the show. Uh, Joe is incredibly friendly and has a very welcoming and authentic voice. He has experienced guests who share great insights about marketing and growing businesses. I listen to every episode and frequently send them to clients as well. Amber, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. That's some great advice to anybody listening. Send these episodes to your clients, your customers, if you think that there's going to be good insight for them. Uh, But then there is a review from, I'm going to say Scottle. I think it's Scottle. Two stars, just too many ads, not enough content. And so I will, it's kind of long, it's multiple paragraphs. Uh, I will, um, pick and choose, right? He said, like, like another reviewer said, I totally understand the need for podcasters to hustle and promote themselves and others making a living, but this has gone too far. He starts the show with a few ads. I would argue that it is one ad. It uh, does an intro of the person briefly, then cuts to a member only plug. Again, that's not really an explicit plug. Uh, I just kind of mention 
that there is a members only portion. Talks about the most surface level concept content with his guests for a brief few minutes and then swerves into another plug or ad. I found myself aggravatingly having to keep the audio scrubber up constantly to keep jumping 30 seconds so I could find the meat of the content. Uh, there's a balance to content and ads. I don't think the host has found it yet. Um, now, I have a sneaking suspicion that this, I've gotten a review, an, a single other review like this. And usually it's when I put four sponsor spots in an episode. And I've only done that twice, maybe because um, I oversold and I tried to pick longer episodes to include that in like it's not unheard of to have four uh four sponsor spots but i hear you scottle and i i take this feedback to heart i want and when people write in if i'm going to encourage people to write in and provide honest feedback then i need to do something about it i can't just write it off as like well you don't understand right so uh, i am i have a few pre-recorded episodes that are scheduled out after this episode but i will be experimenting a little bit more with the ad to content ratio. I've also in more recent interviews, uh, st I've stopped asking the question, who are you and what do you do? I try to include that uh, kind of setup in the intro now so we can get to the meat more quickly because I totally hear you on that. And uh, I was honestly, I was a little bit worried about adding the extra pre-recorded join my mailing list CTA. Uh, so that's an experiment that on top of the bad feedback that I got here, uh, I don't think is converting very well. So um, I know I just did like a quick one at the beginning of this episode, but um, I think I'll, I probably will rework that a little bit. I'll still have the call to action be uh, join the mailing list, but it, it won't be a, a completely separate ad anymore. So Scott, I'll thank you for your feedback. It is received. Uh, it is heard. And I will be making adjustments. I'm also, I've since put in a better system in place to not oversell episodes. It was kind of like last minute that I realized I had oversold because I had overlap and one client hadn't paid, but I booked their spot and then another client or another sponsor did pay. And so I overbooked that spot. So that, that was on me. That was a process failure. Uh, I do still have those from time to time, especially as the show grows and I get more organic outreach from sponsors, which has been happening. Uh, thankfully, um, more sponsors have been reaching out um, without me having to do the whole sales shtick. So uh, thank you, Amber and Scottle, for your feedback. Um, Amber, I appreciate. And Scottle, you are heard. And I will be making changes based on your feedback because I have a sneaking suspicion that other people feel the same way. And again, I'm not getting that many uh, newsletter signups. Um, I don't think at least I've gotten some inline signups, but I don't think I'm getting as many to kind of warrant an extra 30 second or 60 second spot. The other piece of feedback, or I mean, the other part of this is that I will be, or I have cut back. I was doing like two or three minute ads and I've cut them back to pretty much a strict minute. So that is all of everything I have to say about that feedback. And now 
Let's hear a word from our first sponsor. This episode is brought to you by LearnDash. Look, I've been making courses for a long time. I've taught at the college level and I've created curriculums for several different organizations, including Udemy, Sessions College, and LinkedIn Learning. When I create my own courses, there's no better option than LearnDash. LearnDash combines cutting-edge e-learning tools with WordPress. They're trusted to power learning programs for major universities, small to mid-sized companies, startups, and creators worldwide. What makes LearnDash so great is it was created by and is run by people who deeply understand online learning and adds features that are truly helpful for independent course creators. I love the user experience. And now you can import Vimeo and YouTube playlists and have a course created automatically in seconds. I trust LearnDash to run my courses and membership, and you should too. Learn more at howibuilt.it slash LearnDash. All right, so we're back. Let's get into some of the feedback or some of the questions I should say that I've gotten. Um, so the first one is from Jaren. He asks, or, or she asks, I'm actually not entirely sure um, what Jaren prefers. J-A-R-E-N. Uh, let's see. Jaren, he uh, prefers. Uh, he asks, is there a formula for success? And if so, what is it? I think this is a really interesting question. Um, and I'll say, I think that it depends on kind of the creator you want to be and what your goals are. Some would say I'm not successful because I don't make millions of dollars, but I make enough to, to support my family and spend time with my family when I want to. Um, and you know, I do more than make ends meet. I mean, we're not living paycheck to paycheck. And so we can go on vacations. We can, you know, pay for those extra things that come up with which increasingly with three kids, a lot more happens to come up. Uh, so you need to define what success looks like for you and then define a plan to get there. So is there a formula for success? If, you're, if your goal is to make as much money as possible, right? If you're single and in your 20s uh, and you have no other obligations, then yeah, like put as much time as you care to put into your business. I did that all the time. You know, I would, I would teach at the university of Scranton and then I would come home and work until like one or 2 AM on my own side stuff. And, um, it, that, that worked for me, right. Uh, as I became a family man, as I got married and had children, uh, that works less for me. And that's that's why I went out on my own in the first place is because I was unable to manage a full-time job, my side hustle as it was at the time, and family life. One of those things had to go and I took a risk and I bet on myself and it's working out, right? And yeah, I'm not making as much money as possible. I'm not traveling to every conference I possibly can to shake hands and network and meet people because of my family obligations, but I am, I do have systems and processes in place to support my family and to spend time with them when I want. So that's my, that's my success, uh, my formula for success. And so maybe that's a vague answer, but it's really going to look different for everybody. Um, I'm not a big fan of the hustle culture. 
I don't think that it works out for anybody in the long run. And I think that just giving blanket advice to people without understanding their life situation is advice that really can't be taken by people, right? So, you know, for example, I read a couple of years ago, uh, Tim Ferriss, somebody asked Tim Ferriss the, how he stays productive and is so successful. And he said that he wakes up every morning and does, I think it was two hours of silent meditation. And buddy, that is, especially if you have kids, the least relatable advice you could like the, like it's not relatable and it's not feasible. Uh, if you, especially if you have kids, um, because if I, (laughs) um, if I wake up before my kids, I'm lucky to get 20 minutes before one of my children wake up. And uh, granted, that's like my baby now. Um, you know, as, as she gets older and becomes a toddler, like, yeah, they'll, all the kids will be in their rooms until seven and I'll have a little bit of margin. But, you know, I'm not waking up at 5 a.m. to meditate. I'm waking up at, I still wake up at like 5.30, but I shower, I have a coffee, I read a little bit, and then all of a sudden the morning's gone, right? So, um, yeah, I, I, so I can't, I can't extol advice, success advice without knowing your life situation, but I think that you need to think about why you're doing what you're doing, what your goals are, and then map out a plan. I've been saying on the show a lot that experimentation or content creation is experimentation. So experiment, uh, you know, do, do a little bit of work, try a couple of things and see what is working best for you. So Jaron, that's my advice. All right. We'll do one more before the next break, I guess. Well, maybe two more. Uh, Chris, Chris asks, I come from years of using Squarespace. Uh, oh, this is shout out to Chris Black. I believe this is the same Chris Black who uh, attends my live streams, which you can find over at Casabona.live. Uh, so shout out to Chris. Thanks for writing in. I come from years of using Squarespace, but wanted more control over managing a member's area on the site with subscriptions. Curious what the best but simplest solutions are with WordPress. Now, full disclosure here. Uh, the tools I'm going to mention have or are currently sponsoring this podcast. But one of the great things about these sponsors is that I actively use them in my own websites. Uh, So my favorite is Restrict Content Pro. I think it's an elegant, clear solution that's easy to set up, implement, and is quite affordable. Um, It's I mean, it's more, it's, there's a lot of add-ons, but at its core, it gives you a payment gateway. It gives you the ability to define different membership levels with prices and renewal rates, right? So it has like kind of those important features. And then you can uh, basically paywall posts, pages, or categories. So if you have a members only category, that'll automatically get paywalled um, if you set it 
up as such with Restrict Content Pro. So I think I think that is I think that is the best and simplest solution for WordPress. Um that's what I was that's what I used for my my creator crew membership before moving to LearnDash. And the reason that I moved to LearnDash to manage my entire membership is uh, twofold. It has built-in control over the courses, of course, so I could, um, which you could do with Restrict Content Pro, but this is native in LearnDash, right? And so I try not to include as, like, I try to include as few tools as possible, right? Um, So with LearnDash, they recently, I guess within the last year now, um, added membership support. And that's what I'm using to manage the memberships. LearnDash also has a Zapier integration, with which the last time I checked, Restrict Content Pro did not without the help of the Uncanny Automator tool uh, plugin, which I'm also a big fan of, and they haven't sponsored the podcast. But if you want to, uh, I've got some openings coming up. Um, so I think. LearnDash is maybe the a good a very good solution if you have courses especially it's not the simplest i think restrict content pro wins for simplest uh okay next up shelby let's check the time how are we doing here uh yeah great uh shelby asks how did you start what was your greatest challenge? So I'm going to answer this twofold, right? This question came from um, somebody who kind of knows me from both the WordPress space and the content creation space. Um, and so if we're talking about WordPress, my friend Steve Mikosh, shout out to Steve Mikosh, introduced it to me in 2004. Um, I basically said, I want, to, I want to build a content management system. And he asked if I'd heard of WordPress. WordPress was only a year old, if that, at that point. Uh, my biggest challenge then was finding good learning resources to do things the right way. Uh, case in point, I, about eight years later, I wrote a book on how to build WordPress themes. And I used a method that became, I believe, I believe throughout the writing process, it became known that this particular method using a, a function called query posts uh, was frowned upon. And I actually got feedback that you should never, ever use that. So back then it was hard uh, finding good learning resources. That was my biggest challenge. And now I'm happy to say I, I have contributed to those learning resources. Uh, as a podcaster or content creator, um, I know that just start is kind of a lame answer, but it's the truth. Uh, you can talk about wanting to start a podcast or wanting to start a YouTube channel all you want, but it's it's just talk until you actually hit the record button. Um, and so I think the biggest challenge starting is actually starting, right? It's it's mustering up the courage and the energy to, to talk in front of a microphone. It's a little easier for me because I was in drama club growing up and I'm a, generally a good public speaker. I enjoy being in front of people. So getting in front of the microphone is an easy thing for me. Uh, easier, I would say, than, than a lot of people. Uh, but then there's like the editing and the tech side of things. So it could be, it could be hard. Um, I think the biggest challenge for me now uh, is 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 not falling into the trap of I need to publish every day. 
I have a lot of different properties and I, I have stakeholders for some of those properties. And so I feel like I need to constantly put out content. And as you've been hearing on the show in recent episodes, quality is better than quantity, right? So, and that rings true for me too. I've been, I was pumping out a lot of content and going like, how come no one's joining my list? How come no one's buying my membership? And I think I'm putting out quality content, uh, content on this channel, on this podcast, but my other, again, my other properties, my other content areas we're suffering a little bit. And so I've decided, hey, I don't need to publish every day or every week. I need to publish when I have something good to publish. So I think that's my biggest challenge now is um, knowing, figuring out what the good content to publish is. And then, uh, and then just making sure that I, I do it. And I, I do the best job that I can. All right. So with that, let's take our next sponsor break. This episode is brought to you by WP Wallet. Do you manage websites for clients? Do you feel on the hook for the cost of premium plugins? WP Wallet fixes that. WP Wallet is a free, simple, intelligent tool that helps WordPress professionals like you manage all your license keys and invoices for all your sites and clients. Sign up for a free account, connect a website, and WP Wallet automatically scans that site for plugins and marks the premium ones, even adding prices. No more making the decision of buying the plugin yourself or talking your client through the purchase process. WP Wallet gives you the best of both worlds. As someone who's managed multiple WordPress sites with premium plugins, this tool is a lifesaver. It will even allow you to send recurring invoices to your clients that can be paid on the spot. Never forget a renewal, lose a license key, or miss out on a reimbursement again. Join WP Wallet for free at wpwallet.com slash joe. Okay, the next question comes from Brandon. What is the fastest way from zero to 10,000 fans across platforms? Uh, I don't, I think maybe loosely speaking, I have 10,000 fans across platforms, but uh, I would say start with one platform, the one where your target audience hangs out, and start with 100 fans instead of 10,000 fans. This is really important. Start with one platform and make it the one where your target audience hangs out. If you're, if you're going someplace where, I'll put it to you this way. If you're selling baseball paraphernalia, you're probably not going to go to a Dungeons and Dragons convention. Stereotypical, maybe I know people who play Dungeons and Dragons and like baseball, but you'd be much better off going to baseball stadiums where you know that there are baseball fans. So start with one platform and make it the one where your target audience hangs out. This is going to be, it's going to take a little bit of research, right? Maybe creators are hanging out on Twitter or YouTube. Um, but, you know, maybe people in, in the craft field, the arts and craft field are hanging out on Pinterest. Uh, so you want to be where they are um, and start with getting 100 fans. The way you get 100 fans is by tweeting out or publishing helpful information for free. Case in point, 
at the top of the show, I mentioned a new newsletter I have. On the day before it started, I tweeted that I was starting a new free newsletter and then like five takeaways that you'll get from it. And that tweet got 34 people to sign up for my newsletter. And up until now, it's been the best single day um, signups for me, right? I haven't been doing a very good job of having targeted email newsletter signup call to actions. So, you know, first I learned that a lot of, you know, I've been getting involved in podcast Twitter, for example, right? Twitter has these nests, no pun intended, of communities. Um, so find those people, follow people in your niche, and then tweet helpful things or publish helpful things on whatever platform. Once you get those hundred fans, you can encourage those people to uh, help spread the word. If they're true fans, then they'll just spread the word anyway. They'll tell people what you're working on. They'll retweet you or reshare or repin or whatever. Oh, and, and, and no matter what platform you're working on, definitely build your email list, right? Because your email list is the place where people will have a direct line to you and you'll have a direct line to them, right? If uh, the Twitter algorithm changes tomorrow and deprioritizes uh, outbound links, which people say it does already, I don't know how true that is. I haven't done the research on it, but um, you're you're gonna want you're gonna want a way that you know people will see what you're creating, and so build your email list no matter what. But pick one platform, the one where your target audience hangs out. Get a hundred true fans, and it compounds from there. All right, the next question is from Creator Crew member Beth. Is this well? She has two questions. It looks like uh, one is the Stream Deck easy to set up, and two specifically, how do you use it day to day? What features are you primarily using? Uh, because she's not really sure that she needs it. Um, but she said, "But I do seem to fumble a lot when switching things around. The struggle is real." So this is a great question because I have a lot of resources around it. Uh, and I will link all of these in the show notes, which you'll be able to find over at howibuilt.it slash 265. Howibuilt.it slash 265. I'll have my live stream kit. I'll have my stream deck blog post uh, that has the, the most up-to-date configuration of my stream deck. I'll link to a YouTube video that shows how I'm using my stream deck. Uh, and then I will also share a blog post for specific use cases for launching apps uh, using Keyboard Maestro. But the the short answer is I use my stream deck for launching apps common, or that I commonly use, uh, like Craft, Airtable, ConvertKit, and Descript, as well as home automation controls, so lighting. Um, uh, you know, how my my main lights change color temperature, how my Philips Hue lights change different colors. Um, then I'll use it for all of my videos, live or not, for overlays and switching. So those are the main thing. I mean, looking at my stream deck right now, I have, I do have a pretty nifty automation um, that will open, that will kind of set up my podcast workspace. 
So it'll open all of the apps I use, open the URLs I use, and then arrange the windows for me. So that's maybe the most advanced one I have. But then I have one that executes a, an Apple shortcut to quickly jot down an idea, uh, a shortcut to open my how I built it Airtable base, open my writing area in craft, turn my office lights on and off, uh, open my dashboard note in craft, open LinkedIn learning because I'm often searching there, um, start a blog post, start timers, Zoom mute, and, and a couple of other things. So I use it for all sorts of things, but primarily opening and closing apps and, and doing some home control stuff, I think is how I can um, uh, categorize those things. Uh, now that shortcuts has come to the Mac, I'll definitely, I, I am adding more of those, especially because my new computer is an Apple Silicon computer. So I have, I feel like I have kind of access to more stuff that has good shortcut support. Um, and actually I, I have one for time tracking, but I also have one for setting my in the booth, uh, focus mode, which, uh, is in the LinkedIn learning booth. So it will turn off all notifications from everyone, including my wife, um, because she knows when I'm in the booth, I can't really be disturbed. Um, It'll start my LinkedIn learning course time tracking timer, and it'll turn my recording light red. So, you know, stuff like that, really cool, uh, and, and things I really like. Okay, so I have a question here from... I don't know. I don't have the name. I don't know if this is still Beth, but we changed, we've changed directions. Um, So I'm sorry to whoever sent in this question. I haven't recorded your name, but it's a question about audience engagement. Um, I have about 4,000 downloads at the six month mark, but only half a dozen contacts with listeners, emails, or calls. Maybe things are different than on YouTube. Uh, So I totally understand that. Um, when it comes to audience engagement, it's tough because there's no easy mechanism like on YouTube or even a blog. I can't say leave a comment on this episode because every podcast app is going to do different things. Uh, so you need to make the action you want your listeners to take crystal clear. You can have a landing page with a form or you can use a tool like zip message. Um, my one of the struggles for me is that I haven't really done a clear call to action to engage. Uh, what I should do is change my show notes template a little bit to have a button to reach out via zip message. That's my preferred tool. Um, and, you know, leave feedback or write into the show right on the show notes page. So then it'll show up in the app, in the podcast apps, and it'll show up on the episode page. Uh, also be sure to mention this multiple times. Um, and then you can also read feedback on the show to encourage people to write in. People love hearing their name. Uh, and so uh, they were, they are more likely to write in and listen if you know you're going to read their name, which is ironic because I haven't recorded the name of the person who wrote in this question. I'm really sorry. Um, if you need to, you can always repurpose emails you get or YouTube comments for podcasts too, right? So if you if you want to encourage feedback more often, but you're not getting it yet, it's likely that somebody somewhere is asking you a question, whether it's via email or on YouTube or just like in real life. Just say, you know, this blah, blah asked me a question recently. I'd like to answer it, right? And then 
And then you kind of get that social proof that people are asking you questions, I guess. Um, and then when it comes to marketing, uh, when it comes to marketing, you want to do a couple of things. Uh, have a website or at the very least a web page specifically for your show. Um, and then capture podcast listeners where they are, right? So again, if you want more people listening, if you want more engagement, uh, capture podcast listeners where they are. Um, also going on other podcasts, right? I think this is part two of a, of a question, right? How do I market my podcast? Um, going on other podcasts is a great way to grow your show because you know 100% of the audience is listening to podcasts. Um, or if you're willing to spend money, you could always advertise in podcast apps like Overcast or Castro. I did that. Uh, I spent some money and I think I got about 100 a hundred new subscribers, which was, I think, really good. So um, for audience engagement, make it crystal clear that you want people to write in, repurpose questions or emails you get from other places, do feedback shows like this, uh, and then encourage people to write in by making the action super clear. If you're trying to market your podcast, I think I think something got cut off here. This is why... Um, this is why I don't have the name and this is why I don't have the second part of this question, I guess. But um, how do I market my podcast is the gist of this question. So when it comes to marketing, you want to do a couple of things. Uh, have a website or webpage specifically for your show and then capture podcast listeners where they are. So um, go on other podcasts that you think are have a similar audience. Um, or if you're willing to spend money, advertise in podcast apps. All right. So let's take our third and final sponsor break and then we'll come back and we'll answer the last question and wrap things up. This episode is brought to you by Store Builder from Nexus. When it comes to setting up an e-commerce site, you have a choice between easy but limited or a limitless platform that you need to manage yourself. Until now. Store Builder is e-commerce made easy for everybody. It saves you time and delivers a storefront that lets you get to selling. As someone who set up multiple e-commerce sites, I can tell you that Store Builder has been a much easier experience than anything else. Answer a few questions, add your content, and sell. Store Builder was created and is supported by e-commerce experts at Nexus. Get the speed, security, and support you need when you need it. Are you ready to launch your perfect online store? Head over to howibuilt.it slash storebuilder for a special offer. That's howibuilt.it slash storebuilder. All right, we're back. And the final question here is from Wasim. Uh, Wasim is a student of mine uh, in Podcast Liftoff, in the Podcast Liftoff course. For your podcast, when you interview your guest, are you using video and audio for it so that you can see the person face-to-face or are you doing it audio only? What's your feel and practical practical experience when it comes to video and audio versus audio only uh, as far as making this decision? This is a really good question. I keep video on unless the guest requests it stays off, but I don't record the video. Uh, this is important. Right, I like having the video because I like seeing the person's face. Uh, I like kind of feeding off of what they're doing and saying. Um, it also keeps me a little bit more engaged, right? If I'm just recording and I maybe I get distracted, 
uh, by by a, a website or a notification or something. Um, and then I'm suddenly less engaged. And so I like having the video on. It gives me someone to look at. It kind of gives me visual cues for if maybe a question makes them uncomfortable. Uh, maybe they go to say something, but stop. And, and I want them to be the, the primary speaker on the show. They're the guest. So I like having the video on. But if they request that it stays off because they don't want to be on camera or because their internet is choppy, that's usually what it is. Their internet is choppy and they want to make sure that um, we get the clearest audio possible. Then I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not going to make them have it on. Uh, and I never record video because I don't think, I don't think it really adds much, right? Just watching two people look at their cameras or look at their screen with their camera on them. I don't think that's helpful. Um, and then using riverside.fm, full disclosure, they are a former sponsor of the podcast, uh, makes all of this really easy. I use riverside.fm for my own podcasts. Um, they have great bandwidth control and record and can record audio only or audio and video. I've tried a lot of these tools and none of them are as good as riverside.fm when they integrate video. Um, I was, gosh, I was using one yesterday that's audio only. Uh, my friend Nathan Wrigley, who has been on the show before, um, uses it. I think it's called Clean Feed. Yeah, I think it's called Clean Feed. And it's it looks really interesting. Cleanfeed.net. Um, so it, it pipes in both of your audio. Uh, they have a free account. Um, I don't know. It must be multi-track. Like they must, uh, they must include multi-track. I can't imagine any podcaster would want to. High quality audio access to the best codecs. Um, so I'm just looking at the the page here. They have audio repair, multiple sources, higher bit rates. It doesn't say if 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 they make each track separate, at least with a cursory view. But again. I can't imagine that they don't, um, but there's no video. It's audio only. So if you want to do audio only, a clean clean feed looks like a good solution. But I love Riverside. Uh, I think it's got a lot of really good tools. I want to try their, their iPhone app, their iOS app, because they claim that you can get really a really clean feed with, or a really, really clean feed, um, really good audio with just the built-in mic. They must be doing some magic like Descript's sound source, but I haven't tried that yet. Or sound source, Descript's studio sound. Um, now, practically speaking, right? This is the other part of Wasim's question. Uh, practically speaking, I don't think video adds value to listeners for my podcast since it's just a conversation. Um, having it on allows me and the guests to feed off of each other, but not recording it. Um, we could focus on the conversation and not worry about how we look on camera. That's the other thing, right? Um, when you're on camera, you want to know how you look on camera. And I've had several guests go like, how can I minimize me? Um, because it starts off with like two boxes of equal size, you in one, the guest in the other. Uh, and they want to get rid of them because then they'll be constantly looking at themselves. And if I'm recording video, if they know a video is going to be released, then that will be the case no matter what, because they want to make sure that they look okay for a, a public video. So I, the TLDR, TLDL, I guess, 
I have video on unless it's explicitly requested that I turn it off. I don't record it. I don't release it. And that is the last question for this feedback episode. Uh, I hope you liked it. We covered a lot of topics, right? Formula for success, best, simplest and best membership solution for WordPress, getting started, getting fans, using the stream deck, audience engagement, and then kind of a practical question about recording interviews. Um, If you liked this sort of thing and you want to write in, head over to howibuilt.it slash 265. There will be a feedback button there. Uh, So you can write or record in, uh, call in, I guess, audio or or audio only video or text. And uh, if I get enough of these, I'll do a dedicated show, but I'll probably kind of intersperse these throughout relevant episodes, right? If I get enough, maybe... Maybe it could be a segment every week, right? Ask Joe or ask how I built it. Ask Hibby, I guess. Um, maybe I should come up with a hashtag for that. Now I'm just thinking out loud. But that's uh, that's it for this episode. Um, I guess my trade secret came in the, how did I get my start? Just start. Get your reps in. Um, because uh, the more you do it, the more comfortable you'll feel. If you listen to the first episode of this podcast, I sound very like nervous and timid. I'm not. I don't keep the mess the the conversation going. Luckily, it's with a friend of mine, so it was a lot easier. But the more I did it, the more comfortable I got. The more I realized I shouldn't ask the same five questions, and I'm always growing. And that's maybe the other trade secret. Um, is constantly reinvent or constantly improve an experiment. All right. Thanks so much for listening. And thanks to this week's sponsors, LearnDash, WP Wallet, and Nexus. Uh, in Build Something More, I haven't mentioned that yet. Um, I'll talk about my process for gathering this feedback. So if you want to know how it came in and how I recorded it, um, and a couple of behind the scenes stuff, then uh, you can sign up for the creator crew. You can do that at the show notes, how I built that at slash two, six, five. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, get out there and build something.